Take your team to new heights with training you can trust from CBTC. Unlock your team's potential with affordable seminars and customized training in topics like leadership, safety, manufacturing, transportation, and technology. CBTC is more than a provider. We are your partner for talent upskilling, licensure renewal, recertification, and much more. Discover the impacts that come with our training, from heightened productivity to enhanced teamwork and a commitment to a safer workplace. Visit cbtc.edu slash workforce solutions to get started today. Talk of the town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk as we reach the end of January. Grass outside, no snow, and we'll talk about the weather, no doubt, in the coming days and weeks. Uh, this very much looks like it's going to be one of those warm, mild winters, which we do on occasion get. Now, it's it's kind of an extreme at this point, but uh, there's a cautious optimism around the area that maybe this will be one of those years. Like we had a few years ago, not that long ago, where it's in the 60s at the end of February, and it's an early spring after we've had this run the last two, three years of, uh, of no springs. But we'll talk more about the weather at another time. There's so much to get to. Obviously, Still fall out from the HSHS Purveya announcement. Now, as we've had a few days since then, there's a little more direction to the discussion as opposed to just a motion. Also, the refugee situation in our area. That had some movement last week. It was not covered up like it was purposely covered up, but it was covered up by the HSHS Announcement, But we begin with this. Last week we brought up the story of uh, the Chippewa Falls School District's Tim Johnson, former superintendent of schools at Glenwood City. Tim Johnson had been the human resources director in Chippewa since the beginning of this school year after more than a decade at Glenwood City. He has now resigned his position, that coming down on Monday night. Remember last week, word coming down, uh, reports out of Fox 9 in the Twin Cities that Tim Johnson was under investigation for misappropriating funds. He had been, when he was hired as the superintendent of schools at Glenwood City, was to take continuing education classes through Viterbo, and he was being paid to take those reimbursement class, he was being reimbursed to take those classes. The only thing was he was never actually going to classes, so he was being paid, but he was not actually taking any classes. So that obviously is a misappropriation of funds. There's an investigation going on in Glenwood City that has now leaked out to here. That began there. There was some discussion early last week as to what to do with Tim Johnson at a school board meeting, and now. This week, Tim Johnson has resigned his position, which is probably, for our area, the, the best possible outcome that we could have. Now, this does not end the investigation and the potential issues that Tim Johnson may face in Glenwood City. That community, that school district, still has to get to the bottom of what happened. Who else may have been involved? How did this occur? How did this occur? How did Tim Johnson pretty much run what seems to be a scam 
for a decade? Or is there some type of honest mistake that occurred? But they'll, they'll take care of that in Glenwood City. But it does mostly close things in Chippewa. This is not going to be a story that's going to hang over the head of that school district, which is really important, with Chippewa being one of many that is going back to voters with referendums. As we said last week, the the biggest, most immediate thing that could have been an issue in Chippewa Falls would, would have been if he had put these, in essence, non-existent Viterbo classes on his resume to get hired in Chippewa, and that does not appear to be the case. There was no reference to these classes on his resume, so he was not hired under false pretenses. But I'm sure still in Chippewa Falls, they'll make sure they'll 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 take the they'll take the 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 broom and dust up around and make sure that there aren't any other little pieces here and there. Uh, but Tim Johnson has resigned and uh, is not going to be a part of the Chippewa School District anymore. Uh, I've had people say, "Boy, wasn't it a red flag when he he left the superintendent job to take an HR job?" Uh, that could have been. You don't know what the money situation was. He may have wanted to move out this way. In retrospect, it looks very clearly that he may have started to hear footsteps in Glenwood City and was trying to get out ahead of time. But now you're starting to get really deep into what could be some factual things, but for the but without any evidence, we're just coming up with fan fiction. There's a lot of different narratives that could still take place. And and could have taken place. But what we know now from the area we cover, this is probably the best scenario other than there was a much better explanation for everything and it was an honest mistake. This guy has resigned his position and there will not be an impact to the Chippewa schools. Yeah, right now you don't have an HR director. You can figure that out. But again, no drawn out process or anything. And, and, I don't want to give the guy credit when he may very well have done something illegal, one, ethically wrong, and two, illegally wrong in another nearby school district, but at least the Chippewa Falls School District is not going to be pulled into the well with all of, uh, with everything. And who knows what type of pressure he might have gotten as well to resign uh, but again, this is not going to drag out. Uh, and I don't think our area, quite frankly, has the the stomach or the energy to have to go through that. There's already so much controversy with, and not controversy, uh, but you got these referendums coming up. And I think people just want to focus on the referendums and what is right now, I think, the very important issue of funding the schools as opposed to have to worry about is the staff on the up and up. We'll keep an eye on the Tim Johnson saga, if there is any more of a saga in Chippewa Falls, but it brings us to the story continuing with the fallout of HSHS Purveya from last week. Now, it was announced late last week that uh, members of our area's leadership are forming a Blue Ribbon Task Force. I always throw in the Blue Ribbon. But the Blue Ribbon Task Force, various area leaders are going to be tasked with trying to, well, lead us in some direction and try to answer some questions 
that we all have after this announcement last week. Basically, try to I try to say what's next. Answer the question of what's next. Now, it's easy to make fun of when our leadership gets together, and makes up these task forces, and I'll be honest, the first time I saw they were announcing a task force, you kind of laugh under your breath, and you figure it's going to be the same 20 people that tend to be on all of these task force and leadership groups. Uh, but the, in reality, in reality, it's a smart move, and do give credit to our area's leadership for acting fairly quickly on this. They waited a few days, because if you announce this on, say, Tuesday afternoon, it almost comes across as kind of disingenuous. You, you, you got to, when you get hit in the stomach, you got to go down to your knee for a moment, catch yourself before you get back up and get into the fighter stance again. And that's what they've done. They waited a few days, announced this task force just before the weekend. You have the weekend to sort things out. And now you start hitting the ground running this week with this task force. Uh, Jerry Jacobson is going to be one of the leaders, longtime executive at Northwestern Bank. Of course, has been on the Federal, Federal Reserve Board. Uh, he has seen things in our area. And he is one of the area leaders that is as tied in the Chippewa Falls as he is to Eau Claire. And I think that is a really cool pickup, if you will. Uh, because when you think about it, there's not that many people that are tied in directly to both communities intricately. So that was a good pickup for this task force with Jerry Jacobson. This group will be tasked with trying to figure out, all right, there's so many areas to focus on, from the real estate of what will be vacated buildings to what do you do with the employees that are now free agents to how does this maybe impact the real estate market in our area? Who's going to take care of not just the actual medical programs, like uh, do we have enough beds for XYZ, but as you've heard, all these programs at HSHS was tied into uh, rehabilitation programs and the SUS. So there is line after line after line of question and follow-up questions, and the task force will try to go through and answer these questions as well as try to decide what is what is maybe the more pressing questions over other ones. What can be taken from when Uniroyal left here? For the people that remember from 30 years ago, what were some lessons then? What are some things you would have wanted to do differently? And what happened then that is not applicable in this situation? What can be taken from other areas that have experienced major losses in the last five years like this from just other plants shutting down and you have this massive amount of people that are out of work to other areas of similar sizes that have seen their health care system be downsized? What can you do? Who's, you know, get people out there asking questions. What, do other, what have other areas done? What have other areas done that they've liked? What have other areas done that they wish they could do differently? Call, research. Same thing I've said about this whole refugee situation and Appleton. And we'll get to that in a moment. I think 
you know what for somebody like me that's not as tied into HSHS I didn't don't have any doctors that went there have never ever been to HSHS what is the pressing questions for me might not be you know the 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 number one, two, three, four question for me might be different than yours. But I'll try to bring up what I think are going to be some of the main sort of area questions, the, the headline questions that I have to get answered with a lot of follow-up questions that will no doubt be underneath that. It's like any outline. There's the top and then there's all the indented follow-ups. So one question is what's going to happen to the buildings and namely the St. Joseph's site in Chippewa Falls and HSHS's site in Eau Claire. What happens to those buildings? That's something the task force will have to try to try to answer. Who's going to be in charge of trying to market those buildings? You definitely don't want those buildings just to sit there and become eyesores and, and vacated. How aggressive do you have to push HSHS to and Purveya to sell those buildings? Or do you try to co-market those buildings with them? How aggressive and how necessary do you try to shoehorn yourself into having those buildings be only for medical use? Obviously, the simplest fix to everything is another healthcare group says, hey, we'll buy the building, we'll open up two new hospitals, Chippewa Falls and Eau Claire. Likely, you're not going to get that type of situation. But does a medical provider want to buy a portion of those buildings? How aggressive do you market that? How long do you, what do you do if a developer wants to purchase those buildings? bulldoze those buildings and put something else up that's going to be questions we have to ask through what about all of the health care and the various programs that have gone on how do we make sure people still can see doctors and, and we've heard a lot about the maternity situation how do we make sure we've got enough beds for expectant mothers HSHS was a big, big spot for people to have their babies. We already saw St. Joe's shut down their maternity ward not that long ago. With some of these programs that existed at HSHS, is another medical provider in town interested in absorbing what's happening? Is another group interested? So those are the questions you have to start asking around. And it can be daunting, and it can be frustrating. And as I'm bringing these things up, you're going, Scott, you forgot about this. Scott, you forgot about that. You are right. This is not, not to downplay it, but this is not a restaurant closing. All right? Let's pick a restaurant in town if it closed. Let's say Milwaukee Burger Company. I was just there on Sunday they're doing good business, it looks like. I don't think they're in trouble. But let's say Milwaukee Burger Company closes. It's a rather clean cut. All right? 
one, there's other options that are out there. Workers are impacted. You have that you have that real estate there, but it's not as deep of a question. And you're like, yeah, it's going to kind of figure itself out. This is so massive. And in addition to this, for those of us that live in Eau Claire, I think we feel sheltered from this, and we are sheltered from it, but it is a very real issue, and that is what about the rural care? That's where the loss of St. Joe's comes into a big play. Because there are people that live in Chippewa Falls. If you live Lake Halley, southern part of Chippewa Falls, it's not ideal. It's not ideal by any stretch. Because it's still a 15-20 minute ambulance ride to one of the one of the hospitals in Eau Claire for an emergency service. But you can drive in there for things. But for people that live north side of Chippewa Falls, and we're getting out to Bloomer, and we're getting out to Kadat, we're getting out to Lake Wasoda, now that becomes a much longer 40-minute drive. And you're starting to think to yourself, this isn't the same neighborhood. What do we do with that? And what you have to, what is sometimes the most important things for the Eau Claire community in this situation aren't going to be the same things that are necessarily the most pressing matter in Chippewa Falls. That's where this task force comes in. Now, some other things that have come up in the last several days, now that things have shaken out and people can talk, and I will, I will say this. I got a couple emails. I've heard other people talk. If you want to go out there and you want to start to say, hey, it's this local board member did this, or, or I've heard people mention how uh, the leadership of the hospitals is walking around the hallways with uh, protective care, those things don't advance the conversation at all. I, I, you are 100% in your right to be upset at leadership for basically dooming HSHS. You are 100% in the right to be mad, and you want a pound of flesh. So when I hear people say stories of uh, the, the, the CEO spoke to some people and, and made, it, made it worse, and I hear stories of you know, some workers didn't find out till they looked on Facebook. All right. That's not the story for everybody. Some people got brought into a room, whatever. It there was there's no way there's no way the announcement was not going to be hurtful or painful and no way to soften the blow for that. But all those things don't necessarily advance the conversation we have here. They're real. They are situations that people can talk about but it just, it, it, I, always, I just throw it all into the pot of this whole thing sucks. This whole thing sucks. All right? But some other things have kind of crystallized in the last few days. As shocking as it was last week, the announcement. Let's not forget, and I went back through notes a lot of people in this town 
when you're standing by the water cooler, we're talking, and when people were still going into the offices all the time, a lot of people thought HSHS was going to close a few years ago. Not that everybody thought it was around the corner, but everybody kind of figured, especially once Marshfield opened up its hospital, boy, HSHS is going to go down. As I said, I never have had experience at HSHS. I have not had a bad experience by any stretch. But I always hear what people say, like, oh, you don't go to HSHS. That's not, that's not as good of care. I can't quantify that. In the last several days, I've heard people say HSHS is the best care you were going to get in this area. But I do think there was a time there where people just kind of thought, all right, HSHS is probably going to be the one that closes. And it was clear HSHS was the one that was struggling. Remember a few years ago, 20, 2016, the then CEO of HSHS, Julie Manis, she was not one to paint HSHS in a good light. It seemed a lot of comments she would make in the media would be inflammatory towards other healthcare systems in the area. It would be inflammatory towards the community. I remember in 2016, as Marshfield was building its building, this might have been the writing on the wall on everything, but Julie Manis came right out, took big swings at Marshfield Clinic because probably at the time, HSHS was hoping Marshfield was going to partner with them, I think. And they knew they weren't going to be able to survive. We've seen in the last little while, St. Joe's, over in the St. Joe's, just this last fall, suspended surgeries. They had closed the maternity ward in Chippewa Falls. So HSHS, I think people, I, nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw this happening. But I think people saw the potential of a slow downsizing occur if the announcement had occur if the announcement last week had been HSHS was pulling another program, people would have gone, ah, all right. But I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a clean cut through the neck, which is what we had. Now let's also remember this as we sit through this whole thing. Until a few years ago, Eau Claire only had two hospitals. Let's remember this. Until a few years ago, Eau Claire had two hospitals. And Chippewa Falls had its hospital. That, that was right up until 2016. Now things are different. With HSHS closing, Eau Claire's going to go back down to two hospitals. Marshfield and Mayo. Plus, let's not forget Oakleaf Surgical Hospital. But Marshfield and Mayo. But Marshfield does not have... They've not necessarily dived into all the programs that HSHS does, and I think a lot of people have learned how tied in HSHS is to a number of programs. It's like when you have back pain and you start realizing how many muscles are connected to your back. That's the sort of thing here. So we're, we're not in as good of a position as we were in 2016. You are losing a little more, and you've also lost the hospital in Chippewa Falls. So that's where we stand a week 
later. And you're going to sit there and say, Scott, you're not giving me any answers. You're not telling me any what we should do. Nobody has an answer, folks. Nobody has an answer. We need to sit back. You know, in a perfect, a perfect wand, some company comes in and reopens the hospitals. But we need to let things take time and settle. I, I am as impatient as anybody. But through the task force, through just people in the community seeing clearer over time, we'll know what direction and what we need. We'll learn that. We'll learn. Some things that people are worried about right now may turn out to not be a big issue. And some things that people don't think are going to be a big issue may turn out to be a big issue. But I conclude the HSHS portion of our conversation today with this again. No matter what you may do and who you're mad at and who you think may have screwed over the community or all that, never lose sight of the 1,300 people that are losing their jobs. Now, there is some truth to the fact some of these people are going to be offered opportunities elsewhere. And if you are somebody out there that either is directly impacted or you know somebody that is, the most controversial statement I will say is if you have an opportunity, you're losing your job, but HSHS or Purveya have offered you a spot on the eastern side of the state for the same amount of money and the same job, strongly consider it. Strongly consider it. Don't just not take it because how do you, you know, because you're, here's the thing. Decide, do you like the job or do you have to live in, in this area? And also consider yourself this. If you are one of the lucky ones, it is offered a chance to move somewhere else. That's not the situation for everybody. Most people, when they're let go and lose their job, do not have that safety net. I'm not, everybody's situation is different, but for the people out there that get an opportunity to move, strongly consider it. Make sure you do. And nobody in our area, nobody, should begrudge you for that. All right, final thing today, refugee situation, update in Eau Claire. Uh, the refugees will be coming into town in the next few weeks. They can't give a specific date, uh, which I'll, I'll be honest, does seem a little sketchy. It's all—it's almost like you know—it's almost like you're trying to, to to hide a celebrity coming into town. Well, they're going to be showing up in one of these days, and then they they give you a fake time so people aren't hanging around the hotel, and the person ended up coming in the previous day. Uh, but the refugees are supposed to be coming to town the next few weeks. And ultimately, the groups bringing them in have, I think, made matters worse in the last several months. Remember, those of you who have been following, Scotty, when this whole thing began, went, let's, let's let the refugees in. I've had experience in other towns I've lived in. It, it works out fine. Let's go. I'm still on the side of... These refugees are not, they're not 
asylum seekers. That's a whole different situation. These people have been vetted. They've gone through the process, all that sort of thing. Let's figure it out. However, while a number of the people that have been vocalizing against the refugees are never going to be satisfied, they have brought forth legitimate questions. In addition to that, there are a number of leaders in this area I talk to off the record that have questions about this too. Legitimate, you know, just legitimate, almost basic, perfunctionary questions, and they don't get them answered. The group bringing them in, and all these groups, not only here but elsewhere, don't have answers. Or don't have answers, or they, they just don't have answers. And they take the stance of any bit of pushback they may get, which the pushback to them is just you questioning. Any bit of questioning they get, they throw it back in your face and say you're being inhumane. Now remember, there's a difference to what I'm saying. Legitimate questions I'll go over in a moment that they could easily be answered or hey so we know what the plan is that's one thing what that what that nutcase did all right and that nutcase group did buying that billboard off of Hastings last in December with that hate speech basically it was hate speech that's that's not good okay that's not good but there are legitimate questions about this, and the fact you don't answer them leads me to think that, you know, here's the thing, even if you don't have an answer that's going to make us happy, maybe we can figure things out. We have to make sure, as I'm going to mention here in a moment, that these individuals that are coming here have a good experience. Them just coming here, being plopped down, doesn't guarantee them a great experience, and you could cause more problems, not just for the community, but for them. If you care about them as refugees, the story doesn't end once you, as this group, brings them in the town. I didn't appreciate Joshua Miller and the rest of the city council last week pounding their chests and writing this statement of support that they did. I thought, that was, I thought that was a terrible look. And it's another example, by the way, of the city council not recognizing that they are part of this community, this wider community. As I heard people in Chippewa say, and people outside of the city limits of Eau Claire say, all right, are these refugees going to be landlocked in the, into Eau Claire City? No. County? Chippewa County as well? These people are, are going to come in and hopefully be great members of our community overall. But they're probably going to need some type of services. Few people want to completely stop. Very few people want to completely stop these refugees from coming. But a growing number like me are saying, hey, why can't these questions get answered? And you're going to say, Scott, what are these questions that you have? What are these questions? Well, I got one for you. Schools and other services. Schools and other services. These individuals coming 
did not choose to come here. As I've said before, we can't block these groups from coming. No different than we can block a family from Duluth moving here. But there's a difference. That family from Duluth has likely come to this area. They've chosen this area. They've chosen this area. And they've looked at what this area has to offer and have accepted coming here. They see what the schools have, all that. If we don't have something that they need, they came here knowing that. These refugees are being plopped here. They didn't choose to come here. They chose to get out of their homeland, but they didn't choose Eau Claire, Wisconsin specifically. So my worry is if they come here and we don't have something that they need, like in the schools or a specific service, is that on us to provide it to them? I keep going back to the schools. Let's say these individuals have children and they start going to the schools. A year from now, are we going to have this group that brought them in here speaking at the school board about we need X, Y, Z for the refugees? And maybe we decide we are going to start to offer that service, but why wasn't it spoken about earlier? That's my question. All right, we want to make sure these people are welcome. But who's but but what are the patterns and and the staff they've got, the the the, the staff they've got, the 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 they're glorified part timers that they have, that's bringing them in. And the other question I've got is this: before we go. The Hmong population had in this area. Heard a great story about a month ago. Great story from a, a woman. She was doing the Chippewa Valley Museums podcast. And she had had experience with the Hmong population when it came into the area 30, 40 years ago and was talking about how there was great leadership in the Hmong community itself that could be a liaison to the rest of the community. And I know the same thing happened in the Bosnian community uh, back in my hometown of Utica, New York, back in the 90s as they were coming in over. So my big thing is this. There are issues of worry. Like where will these refugees have in terms of a centralized location and what will be their leadership of their culture in this community to make sure they don't feel disenfranchised to make sure that they feel welcome folks if you've never experienced forget about moving to a whole different culture if you just move to a different part of the country even if the people around you are are super nice and they're welcoming you still want to to ease yourself in find additional areas of support. I'll give you a great example in a moment. Because it's easy to feel disenfranchised with with language differences, with cultural differences. There are some truths to refugees in schools. School-aged children tend to have more trouble. I do not know the fix to that. 
I'm sure there have been fixes because it's not a rampant problem, but you do tend to have that. That is documented. What are our plans in this area? Those are just basic questions. They're not things to stop it, but it doesn't seem like we have any plans in place for this. The answer to the answer to any question you have about it is you're some MAGA jackass. Well, I'm definitely not MAGA. So let's let's cool the jets there and just answer questions. Let's be prepared. But I'll say this when you say, what do you mean they have to feel welcome? I'll use sports as a great example. Let's say you move to a different part of the country. And it's Sunday. You're a big Packer fan, right? This exists all over the country. You'll, you'll go find a Packer bar, a bar that's got a few other people that are Packer fans, and you'll feel more welcome. It's one of those odd things that happens. You see a lot in, in colleges, you know, Badger bars and stuff like that, a spot you can go. Everybody else is around, and they're nice and whatnot, but now on this day I can go and be with, quote-unquote, one of my kind, if you will. And it helps to ease the transition even more. Helps to ease the transition even more. When these individuals come here and these families come here, I wish them nothing but success. I wish them nothing but love. And I hope they are great members of our community. I hope they stay here. Sometimes these refugees come into an area and they disperse out other places, which that may happen too if they come here and they don't like it. But I hope they love it. But for the groups that are, but for the groups that are bringing them here, you got to start answering questions. As I'll leave you with this, because if you start to then pose issues months from now, you're only going to make matters worse. Back with you on Thursday, another edition of the Talk of the Town. Until then, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.